get unplugged from those those wires up there. It feels like I'm on a heart machine or something. I have make sure all my little electrodes are taken off. And I prefer handheld. How are you? Everything good? The Lord is good. That's a different song, isn't it? Not here and not out of Bethel, but uh, that's all right. Jesus culture is not right and stuff like that, but I think it's kind of fun. It's kind of a flavor. Kind of like going to a restaurant and you got all these different flavors of, of songs, and that's like over in the little Latin corner or something over there. A little bit of John, 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 John. Okay, thanks for singing. We're going to sing it again, by the way, when we're done. How's that? I'm going to have you stand that time, so get ready. I'm on cue. You can stand, all right, and sing it with us. All right, good. I want to talk to you about hope. The believer's hope in particular. If you notice there's a difference between hope. By the way, do you have a, an insert, a bulletin insert? Did you get those green? They're green? Sweet. There's a hope of the first birth. That means when you were born just as a human being. The first time you were born just being a human, there's, there's hope. There's a definition of hope that I'll give you. It's called a feeling of expectation and a desire for certain things to happen. So we use the word hope like Hope it doesn't rain today. Hope the roof doesn't blow off. I hope I find my car keys, stuff like that. We use the word hope in that way, and that's all good and right. That kind of hope is normal, but it's a hope that's basically based on feelings and circumstances, that if things go our way, then we're hopeful, we're happy. In fact, sometimes we are extremely hopeful. I was thinking this past week when I was little, well, actually now, but kids get excited at Christmas time. We were no different in our house. There were six kids in my house growing up. And we, would, we were hopeful because we'd ask for a certain, maybe a certain matchbox something or a little, you know, creature. Now they got different, you know, Star Wars and stuff. But when I was little, you'd ask for a certain thing and you're really excited about the possibility that you could actually get what you asked for. Hopeful even. And we, my parents used, used to say to us, before Christmas now, don't get your hopes up. Which meant one of two things. One, they didn't buy what we wanted them to buy, so we weren't going to get it, so don't get your hopes up. But also because maybe they did buy it, but they were not wanting to let us know that they bought it for us, so don't get your hopes up. Don't, don't get your hopes up is like, our hopes were already so far up. They were like off the chart up. We were so excited at Christmas time. My little brother, Ken... He, uh, he, got, he would just throw up. He got so excited, he couldn't even handle the emotions. Just totally lose it. But maybe you've known someone like that. Now, feelings, hopeful feelings are one. There's nothing wrong with feelings. God gave us feelings. He gave us, it's just part of being a human being that we can feel things. But a feeling, even a feeling of hope, listen to me. If it's based merely on circumstances, it's only surface deep. It's not really going to last. It'll only go for so long. Many years ago, as an example of that, many years ago, my wife and I were in Chicago. We went to the theater, and we watched Superman, the movie, the first one when it came out. Now, I was, I was stirred by the images on the screen but the music, oh my goodness. It's like, and a growing conviction came in my mind as I was in that theater. And I walked out in the parking lot at the end, and I knew that I could fly. You laugh. I knew. I got out there, and it's like, 
my wife. She's got a crown in heaven just for a time like this, and I've done it to her more than once. I, I got out there, and it's like I was so... Uh, and I did the whole thing. I said, honey, just a minute. I'll get in the car in a second. I might, I might fly home just a minute, you know? Oh, my God. I did this whole, you know, just like I'd seen him do inside the theater. And it was embarrassing for both of us at that point because I didn't, I didn't leave the ground. But God, God bless her. I know, I know. Like a responsible adult, I didn't fly home. I got in the car and drove home with my wife. But the thing that, that, that was different was that even though that intense, and it was intense, believe me, like, oh, honey, I know something's holding me back. I don't know what it is, but I know I can fly. It was there. If it was just a matter of willingness and feeling, I had it. I should have been airborne at that point, but the fact is I wasn't. The feelings, even though they were so intense, they faded. Feelings, they were surface deep, and as intense as they were, they faded. C.S. Lewis, in your notes, I said, it's quite impossible, he said, even physically impossible, to maintain any emotion for very long. Feelings come and feelings go. And that's what basically how we as humans... In our first birth, just as people, not knowing God yet, how we experience hope, it's based on the feelings and circumstances. And when things go hopeful, and then, then we're happy, we're up, we're down, it's kind of like this. And so our hope comes and our hope goes. Sometimes we feel hopeful, sometimes we feel hopeless. But it's surface deep. It kind of fades like the dew in the morning. Now, secondly in your notes, there's a hope of the second birth, and the point is this, that God has created us with the capacity to hope, but with a, a hope that is deeper than just the normal up and down, feeling really strong and intense, and then the next day it's like I'm depressed. God has given us the ability through the Holy Spirit by virtue of our new birth that we're born again into his kingdom. We are meant to live and breathe in an atmosphere of hope. The hope that God gives, His hope, and the hope of God, the hope that God puts in us by the Holy Spirit is not a hope dependent on circumstances and feelings. And that's the difference. God give, now It's not that we don't feel it. We feel it, yes, but whether I feel it or not is not the issue. The fact is it's not dependent on that. I need to tell you that my Superman experience faded. But what did not fade after all these years was the memory, first of all, of the experience. I'm telling you about it, so I must remember it. But the fact is, what also did not fade, in fact, it's been growing since then, was something deeper than just the emotions of the moment. There is something inside of me, a God-given something inside of me, that experiences like that, Superman back there in Chicago being one of them, that God used an outward something to touch something deeper inside of me. And that something has not left the memory of that, I call it my awakened hope. Because I realized that what I was feeling in the parking lot after watching Superman was simply a shadow of that which God actually had called me to be involved in one day. Not yet. I still can't really leave the ground. I don't know why yet. I don't really... Anyway, I can't leave the ground yet. But I find in myself a longing for the fulfillment of that which that experience awakened in me. Does that make sense to you? Something deeper. God, let me experience stuff like that just to have fun. 
But he, he used those occasions to stir something in me that was deeper. And now I long for the actual fulfillment. And what I understand from the Word of God is that it's coming. We'll talk more about that. First, in your notes, number one, a better hope. God has given us a better hope. A better hope than what the world can give is the hope that God can give. It's a true hope. It's a deeper hope. But the point is, I don't understand it. In fact, I can't even receive this better hope until I become a believer of Jesus, in Jesus, a follower of Jesus. Hebrews 7, 19, in your notes, we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. It's better because it's a better covenant. There's better promises. We have the Son of God Himself who is fulfilling the covenant for us, who is guaranteeing the promises to us and saying, I will do that for you. A better hope that God gives, it's different than what the world gives. It's a higher hope. Biblical hope, I put in your notes, biblical hope is a strong and joyful, confident expectation that is rooted not in circumstances. That's the difference. But it's rooted in something deeper, in the person of God himself. Which brings us to number two in your notes, faith and hope. Somebody says to me, why do I even need to worry about hope? I've got faith. And someone who says that, what I understand is, that there's a lack of understanding there in the purpose of hope in the economy of God. There's a reason for hope. Hope is not just this wishy-washy, Charlie Brown kind of a, you know, it, there's, when, when, when God uses the word hope, when God gives us a hope by His Holy Spirit, there's something deep and solid and good and right about that hope. Well, watch this. I know that the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. What I also know is that this, without hope, faith is incomplete. Without hope, faith is directionless. I put in your notes this statement. Hope gives my faith foundation and direction and focus. Let me explain. Remember back in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about faith, hope, and love. Those three, the greatest is love. Remember that verse? 1 Corinthians 13, 11 or something. Imagine faith. Faith is the action. Faith gets things done. Faith gets out there. And Okay, so imagine faith as a car. The engine to that car under the hood is love because love is the motive for faith. Faith, uh, Galatians 5 says that faith works by love. So love is the energy, if you will, of faith. It's the motivation for doing what I do through faith. All right, so that's faith. That's the car is faith. Hope is the, or, uh, love is, is the engine. Where does hope fit in? Hope is the mountain on the horizon over there to which I point my vehicle toward and I have direction and purpose. If I don't have something to, to move my faith toward, I will go in circles with my faith and my love. Hope gives me direction to my faith. Hope is the substance, or faith is the substance of things that I have hoped for, which means that hope needs to come first. Faith then says, I see that, I feel that, I know that's good, I want that, and faith goes after it. Faith is being sure, I put in your notes, Hebrews 11.1, 1, of, uh, of what we hope for and certain of what we do not yet see. But hope needs to come first, which leads me to number three, which is in your notes, we are not chickens. I want to tell you what the believer's hope feels like. You take an eagle egg and you put it in a chicken coop 
under the mother hen. Eagle egg under the mother hen with, with the other chicken eggs. When those eggs hatch, the little peep-peeps, the little chickens, the little cuties that are right now in tractor supply and you can buy them, they're already, they, it's so cute. Go on in and see them sometime. But, they're great. but those little guys are out and they're like, and they're like pecking the dirt. And doing their little pecking thing. The baby eagle, is that called an eaglet? An eaglet. He's like, he's looking around at his brothers and sisters. He's laying there like a... He doesn't do that. He says, I wasn't... I don't do that. I don't even like that. I don't care for dirt. And he doesn't... The whole thing just doesn't really make sense to him. He's finding it very difficult to cluck. And he's taking like clucking 101 and he failed the class he's not doing well with the he's not doing well with that he also is developing a a taste for fresh fish very unchicken like and he's also got this habit of looking up and watching the sky and these birds are like way up there soaring overhead and he's saying to himself I was made to do that something in his little eagle breast just like you imagine him sitting there watching those birds up, you know, his little wings are like he's trying his wings out, and he's just kind of singing to himself, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch this guy. He's like, because it's like day and night, I think about it, oh, I just want to soar on him. That's what he's thinking about. Just this little, this not like, no, I was made for that. There's a hope stirring in him. He's not seeing the fulfillment of it. Now, I know how he feels. I was like, I wanted to be up there. I wanted to fly. I believe I, I believe that I could. I still kind of believe that I could. No, I couldn't. But I believe that I will. That's coming. All right. Church, you're not chickens. You're not chickens. You're not made to peck the dirt of this world. You're an eagle. God has ordained that you will fly. Isaiah 40, 31, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Wait upon the Lord, all right? You can also, different translation, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar. Who's going to soar? The ones who hope in the Lord. There's something that comes by hoping in God that renews my strength and that allows me to soar on wings like eagles. I can't do an eagle thing. But anyway, you know what I mean? No buttons. Hebrews 9. He will come again. The author that Hebrews says, He, Jesus, will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for Him. That's hope. You're an eagle. You've got your eye in the sky. You're watching those birds until you can get up there with those big birds. You're growing up and you're learning how down here to hope and to wait because one day we're going to fly. God has not ordained you to be earthbound. He, so little eagle, can I call you little, little eagles this morning? Keep your eye in the sky. L- lift up your head, Jesus said. Look, your salvation is coming. This is the believer's hope, which takes me to number three in your notes. The believer's hope is from God. Before we were born again, we didn't have any real hope, any lasting hope, any biblical hope, because it was all based on just feelings and circumstances and having a good day, having a bad day. Ephesians says, you lived in this world before. You lived in this world without God and without hope. 
But God gives us a hope. In fact, the same hope that God gives. See, let me say it this way. The hope that God gives is not something you have to make up and hype up and somehow I got I to gotta sing a certain song and feel a certain way and then it's like, oh, I'm feeling hopeful today. The hope that God gives is by the Spirit of the Lord and the same Spirit of God that makes you a child of God you sang about this morning is the one who gives. He's the author of hope. The hope comes from Him. It's a God-given hope. Romans 15, 13, in your notes, may the God of your hope, say that with me, may the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, not your own power, the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound and be overflowing with hope. Romans 5, earlier in the same book, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, hope, Paul said, the hope that God gives will not disappoint. Do you know why? Because it isn't based on the fluctuations of good day, bad day, good feelings, good circumstances. It's based on the character of God, and it's based on the Word of God. The hope is consistent. That's why the Bible says over and over again, put your hope in God. Anybody here old enough to remember... Um, why sit down, cast oh my soul, put your hope in God. Remember that chorus? It's back up, probably back in the, yeah, back down. The only people that got responded to that at all were the people that look kind of like me in the hair color. Okay, that's all right. But that's a good, so, but it's put your hope in God. It's from the Psalms. And that's why God says, oh, don't put your hope in things. Don't even put your hope in people. People, the best of them, they're all going to die. Sometimes they'll let you down. Circumstances are going to happen just like, Ah, and you feel hopeless. Put your hope in God. It's biblical to do that. God will never fail. God will not disappoint. So the hope is, number one, God-given. Secondly, it's a God-centered hope. There's five chapters in the book of Lamentations. You know what the book of Lamentations is all about? You know what is being said there? The history of it at all? Jerusalem had fallen... Gone in, people have gone into captivity. Jeremiah is mourning the loss of what has gone on. It is a depressing book. If, if you're just feeling chipper one day and you want to calm down, read Lamentations. Right? Just saying. Right in the middle of Lamentations in the third chapter comes this amazing phrase. That Jeremiah says, This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Now, what was it in the midst of his despair and anguish that the prophet said, I'm bringing something back to mind, I'm recalling something to my mind, and because I'm remembering this something, in the midst of everything going around, I have hope. He said this is what, what gave him hope. He said, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It was the character of God, it was the compassion of God, and it was the great faithfulness of God that gave Jeremiah hope in the midst of everything else around him that was basically hopeless. Jeremiah didn't look for circumstances to give him hope. He looked to the God who gives hope by his Holy Spirit. And you'll find this in the Old Testament, you'll find it in the New Testament, in both. Hope is rooted in God himself. Let me say it this way, the believer's hope is rooted in God himself. In your notes, Jeremiah 14, 8. God, this is his name. One of his names is called the hope of Israel. It's one of the names of God. Hello, hope of Israel. It's his name. 
1 Timothy 1.1, it says God is our living hope. God himself is our hope. It isn't, hope is not like this fairy dust that he gives. Feel hopeful, feel hopeful. It isn't even a certain emotion. It is that uh, Scripture says he is our hope. That's why you put your hope in God, not in circumstances around you. Do you sing that, that hymn here, Jonathan? My hope is built on nothing less. Sing with me. Than Jesus' blood and righteousness when all around my soul gives way. He then is all my hope and stay. Now what does that mean? That my hope is built not on stuff around me. It's built on his blood, his righteousness, his cross, his resurrection, his sacrifice. And then this, when all around my soul gives way, what does that mean? What is your soul? Your mind, your emotions, your feelings. When all that stuff is like crash and burn, plummet. When all around, everything is, is dropping around me, he, not, he himself is then my hope. He's the one that boos me up and holds me. He is my hope and stay. Number four in your notes, the believer's hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus. This is an issue, number one, of power. Just plain pure power from God. Romans 1, 4. Check this out. We are coming up upon Easter. I love this stuff. Jesus says was declared with power to be the Son of God by His resurrection from the dead. It was that act that out of the tomb. Roll the stone away. Bam, he's gone. Don't look for the living among the dead. He's not here. He's risen. And they found out that he actually was risen. That the power of his rest. He was declared to be the Son of God by that act. And number eight, letter A, through the power of that resurrection, Jesus provides for your resurrection. That's the hope you have. That's, that's the reason that you can live and you've got this thing the Bible calls eternal life. Is because John 14, 9, uh, 19, he said, because I live, you're also going to live. There's no way you can't go to heaven. There's no way you can't have eternal life because you're connected with Him. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. He said, because I live, you're going to live. His resurrection overflows into you and you've got the same life inside of you that He had. Secondly, let her be through the power of the resurrection, He provides for hope. First Peter, Peter picks it up here and says, by His boundless mercy... We sang about His mercy. By His boundless mercy, we've been born again to, here's the goal, to an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. All those big doctrines, the, ma the massive doctrines of the Christian faith, including this one, the resurrection, is intimately and personally and powerfully tied in with your hope. Your ability to get through a day a minute at a time, and, and not like a chicken, but like an eagle, be looking beyond the dirt of this world and looking at something that God has coming down the road. The hope of Job, we sang it in the chorus of the song, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know He does. And at the end, He's going to stand on the earth, and I know that when this mortal body dies, still in this body, because He's going to raise it up, I'm going to see God. And He said, how I long for that. That's hope. That's, that's eagerly longing, waiting for Him to come. Number two, 
the hope rope. That's cool, isn't it? I like the way that sounds. But it's true. Let me read from Hebrews for you. We have strong encouragement, the Bible says, to grasp and to hold fast the hope that's appointed for us, to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. And we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Look at this now. This hope, it's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching farther, past all appearances, right to the very presence of God within the veil. Let me put that to you, that verse to you, as an analogy. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they fell, as it were, into this huge chasm, this huge pit. And the rope, I like to use analogies, the rope that had previously connected them in fellowship with God had been severed. And there they are in that chasm and that rope was cut and it drops at their feet. And they look up at what they once had, how they were once tied with God in fellowship and intimate communion with God. And it was cut, it was severed. It's called the fall of man. And they're in this chasm. And ever since that day, the whole of human, the whole of the human race, every single one of us, has been born and lived and died in that hole. That's where we fell to. We've always tried to get up. We tried to get out of that hole by ourselves. You can't do it. It's the nature of the fall. We keep falling back down in. Until there arose among us a champion sent from God. And his name was Jesus. And Jesus was born in that hole. And he lived in that hole. But in the perfect timing of the love of God, they put the Son of God up on the cross. And then from that cross, he picked up the rope with his nail-scarred hands. And with the cry of a victor, from that cross, began to leap up on the walls, scaling the walls back and forth like an Avenger superhero, just where we could never go. Up, 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 out of that hole, into heaven, into the presence of God. And he took that rope, that broken rope, your rope, my rope, the, that, that we once had fellowship, we were tied to God with. He took that thing, brought it into heaven, went to the throne of God, and lashed it on, tied with an unbreakable, a knot that could never be loosened. And he re-secured for us fellowship. And we can sing this morning, I'm a child of God because of what our champion did and taking us up. And now what he does in heaven is he calls back down inside the pit where, where we are and says, take hold of the rope. Grab onto the rope. I'll pull you up. And so you, I think, I think I'm in the presence of family this morning. I think you're, you're the family of God. You were singing about it. I think you've grabbed the rope. I think, how is it Hebrew says it? the unbreakable spiritual lifeline that reaches into the presence of God beyond the veil. Are you holding the rope? It's the hope rope. Come on. You're holding on. Say, Lord, yes, I'm here. I'm not going to peck the dirt. I'm not a chicken. My eyes are lifted up. I'm... Jesus said, you hang on to the rope. I'm going to pull you out. Now, over the course of the last 2,000 years, some people have grabbed the rope, and they're holding on, and they're hoping, and they're waiting. And some have scoffed and mocked and said... There is no rope. We're not in the chasm. And, all, and they look for other ways. 
But I think I'm among friends this morning, and better yet, I'm among family. Those who have with me reached up and grabbed onto that hope rope and said, Lord, that's what I'm waiting for, an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. This is the believer's hope. Any believers this morning? Believers in Jesus. You can believe in tuna fish. The fact is, you've got to focus your belief. I believe in Jesus Christ. Well, if, you've, if you're a believer, you can listen this morning because the hope is the living hope, according to Peter, which means it's not dead. And it's living inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that hope is whispering inside, if you listen carefully, and it's saying things like this. It's Friday. The Sunday's coming. It's nighttime now, but the morning's on its way. It's winter now, but the spring is just around the corner. You start to sense, yeah, okay, that's where we are now. We're in the night, we're in the winter, we're in the cold, but there's something more coming. Number three, beyond appearances. C.S. Lewis said, you know what? He said in early spring, like it is now, it still feels like winter. Are there any guarantees it's not going to snow again? No, you've been around long enough to realize what western New York, you know, it, it, it's, it's not that way. We could still, I've, we've had snow in April. We've had snow in May before. Remember back in 88? Anyway, that's a different story. Not only does it, it's like, it just feels like winter, and it feels like the winter's never going to end some, some years. It's like, come on, come on, come on. But you know what? Listen to me. The corner has been turned. Your calendar said March 20th, right? Wasn't that the first day of spring? Okay, that's long past. That's like a week ago. So the corner's been turned. Spring is coming. There's no way that it cannot come. It is on its way right now. Um, We have to learn to look beyond appearances. We have to learn to look beyond just what things appear to be. I was sitting in the Elam cafeteria several years ago during March when it was a blizzard about this time of year when it should have stopped because the calendar said it was spring, yet it was like just coming down. And a flock of geese comes right over top of the student center where I'm sitting, like this whole V, and they're flying low because of the snow, and they're flying slow because of the the wind, because the north wind is like hitting them right in the face. And if those geese... I don't speak geese, or I would speak to you as they spoke to me, but no, anyway, I didn't understand. But the fact is, I could almost hear them, because if their hope was based on circumstances alone, they would, they would be justified in, in second-guessing, like wondering, did, did we leave Florida too early? Did, did you imagine they're like, oh, no, that, that's, a, that's a crow, I'm sorry. You imagine those geese are like flying in. They're like calling to each other. They got the goggles on. They're like, you know, Bob, did, did you get the, the, uh, the uh, departure date right? Are you sure we didn't leave a month early? Because it's like everything in, by, by appearances was, this isn't spring. This isn't what we flew. We should have stayed back there. All evidence points to the contrary sometimes. It's like there's nothing that seems that it is actually right. Romans says... If, if you see something, you don't have to hope for it. That only makes sense, all right? It says, if you see the thing you hope for, you don't, it is no longer hope. Why do you hope for what you can already see? But it says this in Romans 8. If you don't see it, you hope, and you wait for it, and you wait patiently for it. And that kind of sums up your life at this point, I think. 
You're moving through life. Do you have a hope for anything beyond this earth? Do you have a hope for beyond the life that, that you have right now? Is there a believer's hope in this house this morning that he's coming again and that you're going to have... Well, yeah, no, don't, don't, don't get ahead of me. I've got a couple things to say here. Hebrews 11:27. Moses, it says, kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Different translation says... He had his eye on the one that no one can see. He saw the God who can't be seen. And just like those geese that were flying in the face of adversity, beyond all appearances, beyond things, it's like Moses was, was just going ahead despite the fact that all around him said, you're wrong. He realizes something was right. And the reason he knew it was because he kept his eyes on the one who's invisible. Hope enables the believer to see beyond things as they appear, to see that which is unseen. C.S. Lewis said it this way as well. This is also in your notes. A person really ought to say, the resurrection happened 2,000 years ago. They ought to say that, he said, in the same spirit in which he says, I saw a crocus yesterday. By the way, I did. Three of them in my backyard. Cool. Or that some, someone says, I saw a robin yesterday. I saw three of those two yesterday. Because we know what comes after the crocus. We know that the robins knew to come. The geese are... Oh, the other day, it's like thousands and thousands of geese. You seen them flying over top? You've got to see them. It's incredible. The geese know. The robins know. The crocus pushed right up to the snow. God built a timer in them. They know there's something coming after it, and they know it. Number four in your notes, it's a matter of perspective. If a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, guess what? It's only been a couple of days since Jesus rose from the dead. A couple of days. <laughs> Hebrews 10.23, what do I do with that? Here, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Grab onto the hope rope. Hold on to that thing. Don't let it go. He who promised is faithful. The way things appear is a very powerful issue with us. It seems like the winter's never going to end. It seems like there's nothing. It seems like when I die, that's it. There's nothing following. The way things appear is a very powerful presentation. But the fact is, the way things appear isn't always accurate. Because God is going to have the final say in how things actually are. And he says, hold on to the confession of your hope and don't give up. Because he is faithful who promised. Get your hopes up. Don't listen to my parents who said, don't get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Come on, let them rise. Let it float to the top. Hope does float. Anchor your hopes in the promise of God. The old saying, two men looked out through, through the same prison bars. One saw mud and the other stars. The same perspective on life. One looks out and sees mud. The other looks out right beside him, looks out the same bars and says, hope, stars. It's an issue of your perspective. What are you looking at? Some people see a hopeless end. Others people, other people see an endless hope. What are you looking at? Where are your eyes, little eagle? Don't get used to pecking the ground. Don't even try to cluck. 
Lift up your eyes, Jesus said. Lift it beyond. 1 Peter 1.13, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Which brings me to number five and my last point. The believer's hope is epitomized by the second coming. What does the word epitome mean? The high point, the summit, the zenith. All hopes. This is the one hope. It's the second coming of Jesus. And we have the assurance from the Word of God that gives us the hope. Letter A, Jesus told us that He's coming back. John 14, He said, I'm, i got a place ready for you. I'm going to go. I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you with me. That Where I am, there you can be also. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm coming back to you. That's what Jesus said about His coming. B, the angels told us He's coming back. He's going to come back, they said, in the same way that you just saw him leave. John told us, a great verse in 1 John 3, but when Christ appears, we're going to be like him because we're going to see him as he is. And it says, and all who have this hope in him, they purify themselves even as he is pure. And number two, the ultimate hope of the believer. This is the believer. This is the hope that I'm looking at when I talk about the second coming. Titus 2 says, we wait for the blessed hope. It's the only time in Scripture that that phrase, blessed hope, is used. It is the hope above all hopes. It's based upon this. The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the quintessential hope. How's that for a word? It's like... That is the highest. That is the cherry on the whipped cream, on the frosting, on the cake. This is the quintessential, the highest, the zenith. The hope of all hopes. The believer's hope, your hope, is that he's coming back. What does that mean? Letter A, you're going to see him face to face. We've heard those words, we've sung those words before, but can you really imagine seeing the Lord Jesus Christ face to face? As clearly as I can see you and you can see me. You're going to look at him. There's going to be no cloud, no faith needed, no hope, no shadows between. It's just looking at him and saying, pinch me, this cannot be real. That's what's coming. We're going to see him face to face. No longer will there be a curse, Revelation 22 says. We're going to worship him. We're going to see his face. And then letter B, we're going to have a resurrection body just like Jesus. This, this verse right here it kind of gets me going like... Dun, 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 dun. I'm starting that again because it's like something is like, okay, we're citizens of heaven where Jesus lives. Look at this. It says we're eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He's going to take our weak mortal bodies, Paul said, and change them into glorious bodies like his own with the power that he has to bring everything under his control. What do we know about the resurrection body of Jesus? Look at Luke. Well, I didn't give it to you to look at, but there's the verse to take home with you. But Jesus, he was raised from the dead. He's got his resurrection body, if I can put it that way. He's going to his disciples, and they're freaking out. They're like afraid. They're, they're startled. They're frightened. They thought they were seeing a ghost because they saw him die. They knew he was dead. And yet here he is standing in their midst. And Jesus says to them, look at my hands and my feet. Touch me. Come on, touch me. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as, as you see that I have. That's the resurrection body. He said, flesh and bones, you've got them. Then they still couldn't believe it, but he says, hey, got anything to eat? I've said that before to, to my wife, actually, several times. 
But he comes and says to them, got anything to eat? And they found a piece of broiled fish. They gave it to And he sat there and ate it right in their presence. Ghosts don't do that. Or you'd see it swallow, you know. <laughs> now that tells you something about the resurrection body of Jesus that puts amazing hope in my heart. 1 Corinthians 15 is also a verse that's worth looking at sometime. Because Paul says that the resurrection body we have is going to be spiritual in nature. And yet, if this body that we're going to have one day is a body like the risen body of Jesus, it's going to be a physical body. But here's how I think those two reconcile. Right now, my spirit, my, sorry, my physical body is predominant. I'm kind of subject to my appetites, to my whims, to the weakness of my flesh. Can you relate with that at all? And my spirit's kind of like, I have to kind of like help it. Come on, come on up. And I have to work on it because my, my, my spirit almost seems subdued. I think that the resurrection body of Jesus means this. It's going to be a spiritual in nature. And your, your spirit is going to be in control. You have a physical body. But it'll be under your spirit. And the reason I say that is because this. If I look at the body of Jesus, he ate food. And yet, he could walk through walls without falling through floors. That is just cool. I want to do that. It's almost as good as flying. He's walking down the road, Luke chapter 24, walking down the, the road to Emmaus with his friends, talking away, having a good time, just fellowshipping. At one point, he's like, gone. Wouldn't you want to do that? Like, just kind of like, now you see me? Gone. Because his spirit was in control. Anyway. That's the believer's hope. I believe I can try. Okay. Last point. Worship team, come on up. I'm, I'm going to wrap this up right here. Squeeze your nickel. What in the world does that mean? My daughter, Sarah, she's 35 now. When she was two years old, we lived in Chicago at the time. I was the worship guy in the church. She was the, uh, or I'm sorry, my wife, Margie, who, by the way, couldn't be here today, but I do send love ingredients from her. Uh, she wasn't able to come this time. Hopefully next time. Margie was a teacher. I was the worship, so we did all the choir and the, all the music and all that stuff. Um, but Sarah, two years old, our only child at that time. And Sarah didn't want to go to Sunday school. Now, every week we've taken Sarah to her little class. and blah, blah, blah. Okay. We had to go to church to do our thing. But this one week she's like, Daddy, in this break of Father's heart, Daddy, I don't want, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. Well, honey, but we have to go. I want to be with you. What do you do at that point? It's tough. So God gave me a little bit of wisdom at that point, and I reached in my pocket, and I found a nickel. I pulled the nickel out, and I got down on my knees in front of Sarah, and Sarah's wearing these red corduroy Oshkosh bagosh bib overalls with a little pocket right there. And I took that nickel, and I put it right in her little pocket. And I said, this nickel means I'm coming back. And when we come back, we're going to go buy candy with that nickel. So she's like, computer. she's a smart little two-year-old. She's like, hmm. She, and I said, if you ever feel afraid and feel like we're not coming, I want you to reach up and just squeeze your nickel. Just feel it in there. It's right there. Right there. She was happy with that, turned around, went into her class. We did our thing, church over. We came back at the door. She's all smiles. She says, Daddy, I remember when I was feeling afraid once and I reached up and I felt this right there in my pocket and I squeezed my nickel and I remembered that you were coming back. I'll tell you what, we broke protocol that day. We had dessert first. 
and lunch after. Because we went out and spent that nickel because that taught some, it put hope inside of her heart. And it taught me that what I need to do, well, let me just do the math for you in closing. The little pocket, church, is your heart. The nickel is the Holy Spirit that God has put in your heart. And that Holy Spirit is, how does it say it in Scripture? It says that by the power of that Spirit, we abound with hope. You have the goods. You have the nickel. You have him inside of you. I'm saying to you this morning, squeeze your nickel. (laughs) Remember who it is that lives inside of you. Stir yourself up to that. He's risen. Say that with me. He's risen. He's coming back. He's coming back. Let hope rise in your heart. We're going to sing that song again. If you'll do me the honor to stand this time, we're going to sing the hope of Job where he said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the end, he's going to stand on the earth. And even though this body dies, in this body, I'm going to see God. Even won't be long now, come lift up your eyes.
Yes, he does. 